Welcome to the weekly teaching program from Finally Alive Ministries with pastor and counselor Gary Aris. Gary is a full-time pastoral counselor and teacher of God's Word. He has a remarkably deep passion to see people set free in Christ. You may call our prayer line at 657-246-2464 or email at prayer at finallyalive.com. That's prayer at finallyalive.com. Now, let's join Gary as he shares some amazing truth from God's counsel in this week's teaching. Welcome to Finally Alive Radio. I'm your host, Gary Aris, your very own Christian counselor. Remember to visit us at finallyaliveradio.com where you can download this episode and every other episode. So remember to join us there. So today's topic, I want to talk about something that I see often in counseling. Uh, What I usually see most of the time, actually, are the issues uh, with with people feeling worthless. It's a common thing. I see it in, in church. I see it uh, amongst many people. So that's the topic I wanted to deal with and even have a little uh, counseling session over the air here to see if that could help anybody. This is the beauty of Facebook Live. I can see you and I, I, can, I can react with you. Worthlessness. I think it comes from depression. That's a typical issue that I see almost all the time. Um, I think a lot of people suffer this. I hate to say it, um, even sad to say, but it's, it's a common issue. But where do these thoughts or feelings come from? Why, why do people get depressed? Uh, I have wrote down a couple thoughts here. Uh, history, history is a big one. Things you've gone through, maybe um, horrible things have happened to you or to this person. Maybe horrible things have happened to you in your life growing up. Who knows? Lots of things have happened. Maybe you were told this. I've seen this a lot in counseling. I've seen people who have had parents who would repeatedly tell them, you're worthless, you're worthless, you're worthless. Well, eventually that kid's going to end up believing it. That's the thing about kids and their brains. Up to the age of about 12-ish, they really don't think for themselves. Everything is based on uh, a reward system, reward and punishment. So that's why that time in, in a child's life is very important. So, so be aware of that if, if you're a parent. If you hear this enough, you're going to start to believe it. That's, that's the issue with all this. Another thing could be uh, where they actually believe this, they actually have come to this conclusion. So maybe you get the message at home that a uh, parent says, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're an idiot. Uh, you got an F, what an idiot you are, right? And then they go to school and teacher tells them something like that. Kids will take those little silly moments, you know, I'm stupid at home, and then uh, you're acting dumb at school, and then their friends, if their friends help with this message, just anything, anything will do it. We just need reinforcements of this false idea, and lo and behold, they grow up feeling or thinking that they're stupid. Some of them come out of this, thank God, but some of them don't. Some of them believe this, and I get, I get to meet them back here. Here's, here's... The couch right there. That's the infamous couch there. That's a couple different things that you see. I want to go through a whole bunch of Bible verses and I'll put this online uh, later. So you'll have all the list of verses. I want you to see how God sees you. I hate that we even have to do this because quite honestly, I think this is Christianity 101, but I think that says a lot about even maybe church uh, that people don't know where they are and, and, and what their worth is. And that's probably why I started with episode one with why are you here? That, that whole question there. We need to know our worth. And, and here, here's some, uh, some verses here. Psalm 139, 
verse 13 through 16. For you formed my inner parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was uh, being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So we have been fearfully and wonderfully made. So again, we're going with the idea that you believe you're worthless. Biblically speaking, it doesn't seem like it so far. That's only one verse. I've got a ton. I'm going to go through all of them. Obviously, this is going to get edited. This isn't all going to make it on on the radio, uh, but it will be on YouTube. So you get to hear the whole thing here. Fearfully and wonderfully made. In Ephesians chapter 2, he says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. This has been a common uh, verse we've been going to on the show. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and has seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. If he didn't care about us, he wouldn't give us a gift. Who do you give a gift to that that you don't like? It, It just doesn't make any sense. God has given us a gift, that grace of Jesus Christ. You have to realize he wouldn't give a gift to someone who's worthless. Therefore, you cannot be worthless. Do you see how it just logically doesn't make any sense to believe that we are worthless? Uh, So Matthew 10, Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Verse 30, he says, But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't fear, you are more valuable than many sparrows. Are you kidding me? If, if God knows you, he knows how many hairs are on your head. How could you even think you're worthless? So we really have to evaluate our thoughts. Remember, we may have gotten these false beliefs, and, and I'm going to get more into this, the, the psychological side and, uh, later on. But we really have to look at, okay, well, how does God see you? And, and versus how, well, what does Satan want you to believe? That's really what we're talking about here. I'm going to go to Jeremiah 21, 11, or I'm sorry, 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. Okay. Why would he have plans for you if you are worthless? Remember, our subject is you believing that you're worthless. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Why, if you're worthless, would God even think of your future and hope? God's way of looking at life and our way of looking at life. It doesn't match up. John 3.16, this, I mean, everybody knows this one. For God so loved the world. If you live on this world, you're, you're a part of this. You're, you're a part of the whole picture here. All right. So for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I want to clarify. I've, I've mentioned this before. But God does have conditions. All right. We have to be realistic with God. Because you have to think of the condition. What is the condition? God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him. So there are conditions, all right? Find me the the Bible verse that says God loves us unconditionally. You have to line up. The the show before this, I was talking about that. You have to line up with God. If, If he is the vine and we're the branches, obviously we are connected to God. 
So if we're connected to God, you have to line up with him, his word, uh, really his mindset. That's what this is all about, understanding his mindset and walking in those ways. Even in the Old Testament, the, the Ten Commandments, I've talked about this before. The Ten Commandments, we look at that as, right, uh, I'm, I'm mad at you and here are my commandments. Really, it's the idea of a pathway, a father giving his kids a path. Here, son, this is the way to go. I've walked the path. I've actually cleared the path for you. So it's a lot easier for you to walk. Just do it. And think about it, just the Ten Commandments. Again, we as Christians, we're not under the, the Ten Commandments, but just, just taking the idea of it. If I walk the Ten Commandments, they're actually great commandments. Don't, don't lie. Don't cover your neighbor's stuff. Those are great things to live by. I think even any society living by just those Ten Commandments would do amazing, right? So do you see it's more of a pathway than it is rules, rules and regulations. So 2 Corinthians 12.10, I'm just going through a whole bunch of verses for you to see that it is impossible for you to be worthless in any way, shape or form. That's what we're looking at. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 12.10 says, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for when I am weak, then I am strong. I think this is a paradox. This is, this is tough for us to understand. How is it that I'm, I'm strong when I'm weak? That's the only way, that's the only moment, the time when you're actually even open to accepting any kind of correction, if you have a humble heart. That is exactly what God is always searching, a humble heart. Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we have this throne uh, given to us. It's grace. Again, it's grace. 1 Samuel 16.7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Big difference. Big difference on how we judge versus how God judges. You know, we, <laughs> we talk about not judging a book by its cover. But that's not the way God works. You and I work like that. As much as we want to reject and pretend like we don't do that, we do. We just do. That's just the way we are. We're human. We, we all judge, okay? That would be actually a really good show. We should probably talk about judging. I've got some thoughts on that. Romans chapter 5 verse 6 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You have to realize these things. If God doesn't care if he thinks you're worthless, why would he send his son? Do you see logically it just doesn't make any sense. We really have to think through this. I hope you wait for the little counseling session at the end. That should be pretty interesting. Hey, just real quick so you know, on Thursday nights, I hold a small Bible study. It's tiny where you can openly ask questions. I'd love for you to come by. We start at about 7.30. The church is called Lighthouse of Faith in Hacienda Heights. The address is 1157 South Galemont Avenue. And again, the name of the church is Lighthouse of Faith in the city of Hacienda Heights. Or if you just want to hear older episodes or download all the episodes, you can do that absolutely free at finallyaliveradio.com. What I'm doing right now, I want to go through a whole bunch of verses for you just to prove 
and really just just beat the idea into our minds that for God to think that we are worthless, it is absolutely impossible. Whoever has implanted that thought in your mind, I would really reconsider even talking to them or or taking any kind of kind of counsel from them. First Peter chapter one, verse seventeen says, If you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. I like how he says <laughs> as if we're staying at like some hotel or something. <laughs> well, obviously it's not it's not our our home, right? Our home is in heaven. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from the feudal ways of life inherited from your forefathers. So notice what he says about you. He's saying you're actually greater than silver or gold. You have to realize this. Do you even realize that? Do you even realize you are greater than silver or gold when we're looking at, uh, at it from God's perspective? These are things to really think about. What have you been purchased with? But with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. I'm going to simplify this and then bring in the aspect of Christ in this here. Your life is more valuable than silver or gold, but blood has been spilled for you. That's what it says here. Blood has been spilled for you. And even greater than that, whose blood was spilled for you? Christ. God in the flesh. So you have to realize when you look at these verses, you have to really evaluate this and see, well, wait a minute, how is it even possible that I in any way, shape or form can actually be worthless? Something to think about. So let's keep going with all these verses. I've got a ton of them here. John 1 verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So do you understand you believing in God you become an inheritor. Now, you are now a child. That's it. Done. You're his. You belong to him. If you belong to God, and if you're a child of God, how can you possibly be worthless? You know, I think Satan has done quite a number on earth. I mean, that it is his job, you know, to come and mess with our minds here. And I'm going to talk more about that in a little bit. But he's done quite a bit of damage here to have... People in the world, obviously, but also believers to believe that they're worthless. They're, they're, they're believers, but they also believe that they're worthless. It's mind-boggling, if I may say. But it's the truth. That's just what I see all the time here. Genesis 1, verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I wanted to tell you or uh, repeat that verse to you. Because... Um, if we look at it from the uh, Hebraic side here, it's interesting how the sentence is structured. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. He repeats the word create three times in one sentence. He doesn't do that for any other part of his creation. He does that when it comes to you and I as human beings. This is Eastern type of thinking here. If I repeat something more than once, I'm saying it's very important. If I, if I repeat it three times, you might as well make it a law because it's that important. I'm going to repeat it three times. Now, what makes this even greater than repeating something three times? He says the same thing in one sentence. So how important do you think this is? There's nothing else. I mean, if I can expand on this just for a little bit, there's nothing else that we hear about in Genesis that he takes so much care of when it comes to his creation. Everything else is, ah, well, I made it. Oh, I created it. And then when it comes to man, here he is forming him 
from the dust. Nothing else. Nothing else does do his hands touch. Everything else is just created. What does that say about you? What does that say about you as a creation? God formed us from the dust of the earth. His hands have touched humanity. I mean, that says something, even metaphorically, that he wants to be in connection with you. The earth, it's great. The animals, wonderful. That's great. But he doesn't have a connection with the animals. The trees and all these wonderful things, awesome. They're beautiful. They're great. But he doesn't have a connection with nature in that sense. But with you and I, he does. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, we, just like it said in the Old Testament, it repeats it in the New Testament, that we are his workmanship. You, we cannot take these things lightly. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Okay, we're, we're the new creation, but we're also being renewed daily, okay? Some days are going to be harder than others. That doesn't take away from the fact that you are part of the new creation, all right? So don't let anyone or anything else steal this from you. You are, you are part of the new creation, and it's easy. It's easy for us to feel like we're not part of the new creation. You are the new creation. You are part of that new creation after you've been saved. You are no longer part of the old, Will it take some time for the old to, to pass away? Yeah, God needs to wash you with his word. You need to go to church. This is, this is one of the most important parts. I don't know anybody who can do this without going to church. I don't know a single soul. There isn't a single person on this planet that's smart enough to understand this book. You're talking about a book that the newest thing in this book has been written at least 2,000 years ago. There's no way, there's no possible way you can do this on your own. You need help, just like I needed help. I still need help. We all need to be a part of some sort of circle of church. I don't buy it. I don't buy the whole thing about, oh, well, you know, I've, I've gone to church and it's just not my thing. It doesn't work for me. I don't buy it. I'm, I'm, I'm not okay with that. You're either in the wrong church, okay, that, that's possible. It happens. Or number two, um, maybe there's a sense of pride there. I'm just going to say it the way it is. Maybe there's a sense of pride there and, and there, there needs to be a humbleness there. Be aware of these things. Regardless, you need to be in the church that God has put you in. That's probably a better question is asking the Lord, Lord, am I in the right place? Maybe you're not in the right place. You have to ask the Lord. You, you've got to go to the Lord about that. But go to church. I, I highly, highly recommend that. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, here's the thing. The word says that you're forgiven. Number one, do you believe that? That's the question. Do you believe you're forgiven? Number two, have you forgiven yourself? See, sometimes that's the issue. In fact, I think a lot of times that's the issue. I've asked people, hey, even in sessions, I ask them, hey, you know you're, you're forgiven. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm saved by the blood. Okay, great. Wonderful. Now, have you forgiven yourself? That's where we usually have the issue. Forgiving yourself. I'm not saying it's easy sometimes, but it must happen. You have to find a way to forgive yourself. No other way. I'm going to call this a requirement, okay? You have to forgive yourself. 
I'm not saying you won't be saved if you don't forgive yourself. I'm not saying that. But you're only making life tougher on yourself. That's all you're doing. Things can be a lot easier. Uh, side note, you know, Samson, right? Old Testament, Samson, he did a whole bunch of bad things, but God still got what he wanted out of him, right? Just the way it is. God will get what he wants out of you, whether it's easy or not. But I would highly recommend that you do it God's way because it's going to be a lot easier. Um, you're going to go through a lot less struggles, a lot less headache. Highly, highly, highly recommend that. Just let these things go. I get it. Some things are tougher. I get that. I get that. Uh, but go to God. Go to God about this. Ask him what you need to do. And in fact, why is it so tough to forgive yourself? I'm going to throw a curveball at you. I bet you, I bet you, you're struggling with guilt. You feel guilty. Maybe you did something wrong. Maybe you've done someone wrong. I don't know. So then maybe it's not even the issue of forgiveness. Maybe it's the issue of guilt. That needs to be dealt with. From God's perspective, you have to understand. That's why I'm going through all these verses to show you from God's perspective, and this is my saying, you're okay. All right? You're fine. God has, has erased those sins off of, <laughs> off of your sheet. Okay? It's clear. You're good with God. When we go to heaven and we go before him, and here we are going in front of, oh, Lord, I, I hope you forgave my sins. He's going to say, what sins? What are you talking about? You believe in Jesus, right? We're, we're good, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that, that's why you're here. Yeah, okay, well, get in. What are you talking about? Sins. It's, it's forgiven. It's forgiven. It's behind us, all right? Our sins are washed away. You must forgive yourself and deal with your own guilt. One thing I stand by, and if you've, if you've, been, if you've been on the couch, this is what I tell everybody, and I'm, I'm going to tell you now. So, everything in life Everything, everything, every issue has an answer. Every problem has an answer. The question though is, are you and I, are we both willing to accept the answer? That's the million dollar question. What if the answer isn't what you want? What if the answer is a different direction? What if God's direction is that way and you don't want to go that direction? It's normal. I've struggled with that. I, I'm sure you have too. But you have to be aware of that. If you can think to yourself that no matter what, no matter what I face, there's an answer, stand in that. Because the answer is obviously going to come from God. But you have to be willing to also accept that answer. So whatever you're feeling guilt about, you have to, you have to really think about this. Whatever you're feeling guilt about, there's an answer to that. There's an answer. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how horribly whatever, whatever thing went in the big picture it's fine. And I know that sounds so vague, but again, if you have thoughts or questions about it, I'll answer it. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And again, he's, talk he's talking in, in Jeremiah, but let's take the idea there that it's the exact thing for you. He's formed you. Um, uh, let me repeat it. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. He's talking to him, but you don't think that applies to you. You don't think he knew you before you, were, before you were even born? Of course he did. He knew you. He knew what you were going to do. He knew the things you were going to mess up in. And he still accepts you. Do you realize that? You're accepted by God. See, we're the ones who overcomplicate these things, okay? It's not God. It, we complicate it. All right, because we, well, I don't know. We, we just end up, we, we just, I guess we like to complicate these things. I don't know. We're just human and that, that's part of our flaw. 
Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you, you shall be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Fear not, you you worm Jacob. Look at that. You men of Israel, I am the one who helps you, declares the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. You have to realize who is even helping you. Do you realize if you're on God's uh, team, he's on your team. You have to realize these things. Fear not. I am the one who helps you. Sometimes we feel like God isn't helping us. Okay, let's just be real. All right. We feel like God isn't helping us. All right. God is, is against me. You have to really evaluate what you're saying there. I'm going to go off of what he's saying here. Fear not, I am the one who helps you. He's the one who's helping me. And he's perfect and he's God. He's omniscient and the rest of the whole list of absolute perfection about God. If he's trying to help me, the perfect one, and I'm not receiving it, what does that say? Really, the issue is me. I'm the one maybe not willing to listen or hear him out, whatever the case. But you got to be aware of that. It isn't God. God's the one who's trying to help you. He's the one who's trying to grow you. And, and that's the issue with growth. Growth hurts, right? Uh, you go and work out. You, you work out your muscles, right? What happens? Your, 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 your arms hurt. Your muscles hurt because it's growing. It's repairing, you see? So we have to be aware of these things. All because there's pain doesn't mean there's growth. That might mean that there's actually growth. Ever thought about that? Uh, let's see here. Psalm 62 verse 5 says, My soul, wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. On God my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times. Not sometimes, all the time. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. You have to trust him. This whole worthless feeling is not from God. It's from something else, obviously Satan. But it's coming from another place. That isn't God. God is not implanting. That is not even God's idea to, to deem you worthless. It's, it's impossible. He is God. He created us. He doesn't create worthless. It just worthlessness. He just doesn't do that. You have to hold on to him. You have to hold on to his word. You have to... Trust in him at all times, just like verse 8 says here. Philippians says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That is the attitude, the attitude you and I are supposed to have. The stuff that have happened in our lives, whether we did it or someone else did it, to us or against us or everything else in between is behind us. Can you find a way to settle that? The things that have happened to you in the past are behind you. All right? So the guilt that you might be suffering behind you, these are things that are behind you. 
Now, it might be affecting you today and things are still wrong or maybe you did that person... Maybe you did a family member wrong. I get it. Fine. Maybe there's some guilt there. I'll, I'll throw out a little counsel here for you. Can you go to them and ask for forgiveness? What would happen? Oh, well, they're not going to talk to me. They're so mad at me. Okay. Well, if you go and maybe write a letter to them, send them an email, send them a text. The moment you do that, the ball is now in their court. You see, they have the choice to forgive me or not. And if they don't, then they don't. That's on them. All right. But I did everything I can, humanly speaking. After that, all I can do is give it to God. Just give it to God. You got to realize, this is one thing I've learned in counseling is I can't control a single person. I can't. I've given up on that idea. There's nothing that I can, I can do. The best I can give you is a recommendation. That's all I've got. If you can take on that idea, that, that mentality that, you know, look, all I can do is I can try to fix what I can within my own realm. Outside of that, the ball's in your court. All right. Best I can do is I can apologize to you. Ask for your forgiveness after that. It's, it's all on you. Um, if you choose not to, well, guess what? You're the one who's going to suffer with the bitterness. So good luck with that. I'm going to go to Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with you uh, with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. I want to look at the, the beginning part there. Notice Moses' idea. Uh, I, I have a stuttering problem. Just like me. I'm kind of stuttering, aren't I? <laughs> Someone said that earlier. Stuttering Stanley over here, right? But Moses had that issue. He's, he's stuttering. He can't maybe speak fluently or, or eloquently, or whatever the case is. Look at God's response. Who made man's mouth? Who makes him mute, deaf, or seeing, or blind? Are you kidding? If God says you can do it, you're going to do it. I know people personally who would uh, stammer and, and stumble through their, their conversation, kind of like me. And after a while, I don't know why. I, well, I do know why. They were doing God's will. After a while, their, their stuttering slowly but surely disappeared. The only thing I can explain, I mean, they didn't go to speech therapy or something like that. I have to leave it up to God. I mean, if you've had a, a, a stuttering issue your entire life, how do you all of a sudden stop stuttering? I've seen it. I've seen it. Maybe some of you guys have seen it too. It's amazing. You do God's will, you will see some amazing things happen. That's where the miracles happen when you're doing God's will. Uh, that, that's actually the last show. If you didn't listen to it, listen to that one. So here we come to our counseling section. Ooh. So I'm going to attempt to counsel you over the air here. And let's see how this goes. So I'm assuming that you feel worthless. You, you're, you're feeling worthless. You have these feelings and they just don't go away. I'm going to go to a verse to establish a couple of things. Let's go to John 8, verse 44. Because this is going to be the, the, our foundational stuff here. So John 8, verse 44, says, you are of, and then this is Jesus speaking, says, you are of your father, the devil, 
and you want to do the desires of your father, the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks, speaking of the devil, whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. Okay, so Satan, whenever he speaks a lie, he's speaking from his own, that's who he is. So he speaks from his own nature. There is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Okay, so that is our key aspect. Okay, so to establish Satan, if you don't know this already, he is the father of lies. Whenever he speaks a lie, he's speaking from his own nature. Okay, so that's how Satan works. How do, what, what is Satan? He is the epitome of darkness. Okay, he is, a, he is the epitome of evil. All right. So Satan works in what? In darkness. What is within the idea of darkness? Even we can even kind of go kind of analogy here. In darkness, what? What happens when the lights go out? You're confused. I can't see, right? So what happens in darkness? You're confused. I can't see. Um, the idea will also be misunderstandings will happen. Okay. Misrepresentations will happen. And obviously lying happens. It's, this is all part of darkness. Okay. So darkness, let's go over it one more time. So darkness, you'll have con, uh, confusion, misunderstanding, misrepresentation, and obviously lying, which kind of encompasses most of that. Now, 1 John 1, 5. So we're establishing a couple of things, Satan and how he works. And then we have 1 John 1, 5 here. Verse 5 says, This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light. And in him, there's no darkness at all. So we have a polar opposite we have darkness and then we have light. God is light. The lights are on. Okay. When the lights are on, I can see the room. I can see what's going on in the room. Okay. Nothing is confusing. Everything makes sense. Polar opposite. There is no misunderstanding. I can see everything. And uh, lying is impossible. You can't lie. That, that is absolute truth there. All that to say this, we're, go we're coming back to the idea of worthless. Okay. We have to realize this is all Satan's ploy. This is what Satan does. He has to create some sort of darkness within you, okay? He can't, I'm not saying possession, I'm saying oppression, okay? To oppress you, he has to instill somehow darts. I call them darts, and that's how he gets you. He throws darts at you, and there's a little bit of darkness there, okay? A little bit of confusion, a little bit of misrepresenting something. Uh, uh, the, the, last, uh, the last episode, we were talking about uh, prayer. And why doesn't God answer my prayer? Well, here's the misunderstanding. When we read one verse all by itself, it's totally out of context sometimes. And, and then now we, we believe anything that I ask in, in the Lord's name, he will grant it to me. Well, there's truth in that. But the problem is you have to understand the criteria. We have to be in him. There's a, there's a oneness, the in himness, if you will. Um, so that could be a misrepresentation. Do you see? So within our own Bible, within our own beliefs, we will have that. So we have to realize these things. Okay, so now we're talking about worthlessness. We're assuming that you feel worthless. This is something that I see co commonly on the couch right behind me. So now the question is, why are you worthless? Okay, why does this person believe that they're worthless? It could be a variety of reasons. We, we said this in the beginning of the show. It could be something implanted from the beginning. Typically what I see, this is almost every case, generally speaking, okay? Generally what I see is Satan will implant thoughts when you're young, because when you're young, the guards, there are no guards. There's no guards, you see? 
So he has to implant or throw the darts at you when you're young. So if he can implant as much as he can negative, anything negative in your mind, he will. It could be as simple as a father who only sees uh, uh, your grades or talks to you about your grades when you get Fs. Never talks to you when you get an A, B, or C. It's, it could be as simple as that. I know, it's, it's amazing how our brains work. We can take something and just run with it. Uh, but uh, a father says, hey son, hey daughter, uh, uh, you got an F on this. That child can misunderstand or misrepresent that idea as, oh, well, dad hates me or dad thinks I'm, I'm nothing or I'm stupid or anything else. You see, the dad never, never even said those things, but the child believes that. Why? Because, again, the guards are not up. That's where Satan can throw his darts at you. Be aware of these things. So let's, let's just, let's use that one. Let's just go with that one for, the, for argument's sake. Let's say, um, let's say you, you believe that. You believe, well, you know, I must be worthless. I got Fs when I was a kid. I must be worthless. I, I'm dumb. I'm an, I'm an idiot, right? Here is where we implant God. Uh, this is light. God is incredibly logical. I mean, the way he does things are very, 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 very logical. Everything he does is very logical. Again, he, he tells you to do things because it makes sense. Uh, don't kill people. Makes sense. That's not a good thing. Do you see? So everything about God is logical. Now, polar opposite, Satan, not logical. So how, how can Satan implant things within you? Not through logic. It's impossible. If you walked into the room right now and said, I'm the devil, you and I, we'd all laugh. We'd be like, get the heck out of here. Why are you even in here? Right? We would all laugh at that. So we have to, we have to be aware of this. So, um, so he can't, he can't walk in. He cannot come through logic. How does he appear in your life? Or how can he implant things? It has to be outside of logic. What's outside of logic? Emotions. Through your emotions. Even more so, your feelings. You see, that's the only way Satan can enter into your mind. Uh, and not literally enter into your mind, just figuratively speaking. That's the only way Satan can enter into your mind, okay? So it'll be through your feelings. So let's go through the logical. So this is the way you deal with the feeling of worthlessness or guilt or anything of that negative nature. Let's define, literally define the word worthless. I'm, I looked it up in the dictionary. So the word worthless means without worth, obviously, of no use, of no importance, or of no value, or good for nothing, okay? So that's what it, the literal definition. Okay? Now, for the person who believes that they're worthless, okay, let's go with that. Can I truly define you as that definition? Let me repeat the definition. Without worth, and I'm going to add the word absolutely without worth, of no use. Are you of no use? And we have to go clear cut 100%. Are you of no use in life any way, shape, or form? Think about this. No use. Of no importance. Of no value. Um, good for nothing. Again, a good, the idea of good for nothing is a very, very giant leap. Good for nothing. Think of the words here. Logically speaking, can a human being truly, truly, truly a hundred percent be good for nothing? Now, granted, certain people have more value. Okay. Understandable. But can they truly be worth zero? Absolutely nothing. Really think about that. 
the other day I was I was in a session and and I'm I'm kind of stealing this from them. So if you're hearing this, credit to you here. And they came up with this this really great great thought here. And the thought was, well, truly no one can really be worthless. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? They said, well, even if you breathe, right? When you breathe, you're you're breathing out carbon carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is the food for for plants for trees, right? So even, even that person who breathes is giving food or, or helping our environment, if you will, or, or trees. I'm like, wow, that was, that's actually true. Yeah, you're right. So how can you even say that a person is 100% worthless? I'm not talking about a bad person, okay? Even a bad person is still bringing worth if they breathe. Do you see the extent of how you can take this idea? We're talking logically speaking. We're not talking morals right now, okay? We looked at the definition of it. Can you define somebody to be literally worthless? It's impossible. Everything that God has made is impossible to call worthless. It's just, you can't do it. How? Everything God has made, what, what, what part of that is worthless? If he has made it, it can't be worthless. Well, he's made you. He, he's created humanity. Obviously, it's in Genesis. So you can't be worthless. It's impossible. So really, logically think about the idea of worthlessness, when you think of this logically, it doesn't work anymore. So now we have to deal with the feelings and the feelings are a little bit different. We have to keep reminding ourselves logically that, well, wait a minute, this is the truth. It's impossible for me to be worthless. Even if I brought nothing to the table, absolutely nothing. Even if I'm a vegetable at the hospital, just me breathing is bringing something of worth. Okay, so you you cannot define someone or something as completely 100% worthless. It's just impossible. We also have to realize this. All because something is not of worth to you, does that mean it's worthless? We have that saying, one man's junk is another man's treasure, right? So all because you believe something or someone is worthless, does that mean that everyone, everyone believes that? No. You might think someone is, uh, is, is ugly. And then next thing you know, they get married. <laughs> Wasn't for you. That wasn't for you, right? So you see, you cannot deem something or someone worthless. You just can't do it. It's impossible. It's God's creation. Let's go with some, some more thoughts. I'm worthless. And usually the thought is because I'm a failure. Okay, that's usually the thought that comes along with it. Well, again, notice the thought. We have to go take this logically and think of the statement, I'm a failure. Think of how vague that is. If I failed one test, it's easy for a person or anybody to say, oh man, look at me, I'm, I'm a total failure. But that's so vague. Why are you a failure? Well, I, 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 I failed the class. Does that mean you're a failure in everything in life? So do you see what Satan does? He'll take one little thought and broad brush it. And that's what we do. And sometimes we're trained to do this because of our past. We'll broad brush this thought of, I'm a complete failure. Well, why? Because you failed the class? How do you how do you define how do you define that being a complete failure? Maybe you failed the class. So do you see we have to adjust the thought? Maybe you failed the class. Maybe you're not good at that subject. Possible, very possible. That doesn't mean you're a complete failure in life. Do you see that's broad brushing? That's too vague. So be aware of that. That's Satan's way of doing it. That's complete emotion. That's all feeling. That had nothing to do with logic. Do you see when we broke it down logically, it makes a lot better sense. Last thought here as, before I close, the thought with I'm a failure, okay? 
I'm a complete utter and utter failure. That would mean that in everything in life, you had to have failed. Everything in life, every possible thing that has, uh, has happened to you must have been a failure. If you're able to even get the sentence out that I'm a failure, well, you didn't fail at saying I'm a failure. Do you see? Be aware of broad brushing. It's very easy. That's, what, that's how Satan gets you. We broad brush. Okay, so he, he makes things vague, misunderstanding, misrepresenting, confusion, lies. Do you see how it all applies? That's what darkness does. All right, that's why, that's why it's so important to be on God's side because God is light, logical. It all makes sense. And if it doesn't make sense, that's not God's issue. That's your issue. That's my issue. We just don't understand. We don't get, we haven't matured enough to understand God from his perspective. Once you begin to understand his perspective, it all makes sense. And it's amazing because this piece of logic will connect to other aspects of logic with, with, when it comes to God. But with Satan, it's very easy to take one thought, random here, random there, because it's all feelings-based. Do you understand? We can see it in the nation. We see it today in the nation, how everything has become, well, not everything, that's, that's broad-brushing. Uh, most things, many things have become, have, have become very feelings-based. So be aware of that. Be aware of that. Feelings, um, <laughs> there, there's a saying, facts, don't care about your feelings. I love that, and I stand by that. Facts don't care about your feelings, but here's the fact. You can't be worthless. It's literally impossible to deem anybody worthless. You can't be an utter failure. I'm a failure in life. You can't be. That's impossible. If, you, if you're able to say, I'm an utter failure, you just passed at saying the word, I'm an utter failure. You see? These are the facts, okay? When, when we stick to the facts, we're actually sticking to God's side. Thank you again for joining us on this week's program with pastor and counselor Gary Harris of Finally Alive Ministries. We pray that if God has touched your heart with any part of today's teaching, you would respond and move into the healing that God has for you. Visit us at finallyalive.com. There, you can download this episode for free, email your concerns, questions, or share a story of how God is using this teaching to help you grow in Christ and His freedom. If you'd like to call our prayer line, you may do so at 657-246-2464. That's 657-246-2464 or email at prayer at finallyalive.com. We'll meet you again next week at this same time when we look at God's Word with pastor and counselor Gary Harris and learn how to finally be alive in Christ.